Welcome everyone to Season 2 of The Cube for Two, your podcast companion for learning all about your favorite theme park attractions. Whether listening at home or while waiting in the queue, we'll fill you in on all the information you need to get the most out of your ride experience. I'm your host, Matthew, and joining me as always is the sixth flaggiest co-host there is, Ryan. Today, we'll be talking about my favorite ride in all of Six Flags over Georgia, Goliath. Ryan, it has been too long since we have met around these microphones. How have you been? I've been good. Life's been good, but been itching to get back in the queue and start talking about some more fantastic rides with you. And I am certainly excited to be dipping into something new with getting into one of my favorite theme parks, Six Flags Over Georgia. And that that brings it up. Season two, we talked about it. Six Flags Over Georgia. How do you feel specifically about us covering Six Flags? You sound excited. I definitely enjoy Six Flags. It's definitely a lot closer for me than Disney World has been, so it's been easier to go. I've probably been to Six Flags more in my adult life than I've been to Disney. And even though you're kind of the main thrill seeker on the podcast, I do enjoy my roller coasters as well. And so Six Flags does offer a good variety of thrills by the roller coasters and a few other extra experiences, too, that I'm sure we'll get into later this season. Heck yeah. All right. Well, I am excited to get us started with Six Flags, and this week we're going to be talking about Goliath. So let's go. If you are unfamiliar with this beast of a roller coaster, it is a 200-foot-tall steel hypercoaster. Not a roller coaster, a hypercoaster. It is currently located in the USA section of the Six Flags Over Georgia Park. Now, you might be saying, wait a minute, I thought you were talking about Goliath. This isn't my Goliath. I do want to bring up, there are two other Goliaths that I could find for Six Flags. One is a very similar hypercoaster, but it actually seems bigger and faster. It is at Six Flags Magic Mountain. And the other is very opposite of this ride. It is Goliath at Six Flags Great America. This is a wooden roller coaster that has a lot of the same speed and height as ours that we're going to be talking today, but it actually includes a lot of inversions and flips. It's one of the newer wooden coaster designs, and I think it broke like three world records when it first launched. Interesting. Yeah, it's always funny when these coasters share the same name, but uh, Goliath in Six Flags Over Georgia is the only Goliath I've experienced. Hashtag, that's my Goliath, I guess. (laughs) We'll get it trending. We'll get it trending. (laughs) As with the Disney rides, there actually is a decent ride description that I didn't realize existed on the Six Flags website. So I'm going to share that for us. It tells us a little bit more about the ride. As far as roller coasters go, there are beasts, there are giants, and then there is Goliath. Find out why bigger is better on this intense 70 mile per hour body blaster that is not for the timid. Any coaster that reaches 200 feet in the sky earns the title of Hyper Coaster. It's a rare breed that will take you straight to the sky. Once you get to the top of that first insane hill, you'll waste no time in careening right back down a mind-numbing 170 feet. Then you'll pop over the enormous drop like it was nothing, on your way to an even steeper 175-foot drop. In case you can't tell yet, everything on a Hyper Coaster is supersized. Another 12-story drop is waiting for you, then a barreling race up and down a 540-degree spiral that'll make you feel about 1,000 feet tall. You'll bank hard over sharp turns and stomp up and down mega hills. How do a whopping 4G sound? Because that's what you'll get on this mega monster. You're standing tall, 
among the Giants now. Good ride description. Definitely more technical than some of our Disney ride descriptions, but one thing that I anticipate as a common trend for us this season is that I feel like I'm really going to be learning some roller coaster terminology because I certainly didn't know what a hypercoaster was before now, and now I do. So thanks, Six Flags. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even realize that they had some of these descriptions. And so reading them compared to the Disney ones is for sure different in the sense of it is more technical but i was actually surprised like it's not just the facts of this is a hyper coaster that goes this high they found a good way of word spinning it and making it really good again no real theming compared to like a disney so that's where you get into that is different from a ride description but i I was still really surprised and i'm excited to go through the season and read some of these ride descriptions to describe some of rides i've been on countless times yeah, that I feel like at Disney, the theming is definitely more of the priority. Whereas if you're at a Six Flags park, generally it's the thrill seeking and I would almost say like record breaking side. Like I feel like every big roller coaster park is really looking to stand out in the record books rather than, you know, there, there's some theming there depending on the coaster, but definitely a lot lighter than your Disney World or Universal. All right. Now that you know what you've got yourself into, let's talk history. So Goliath started construction in September 2005 and officially opened on April 1st, 2006. So if you do the quick math, that is eight months, eight months that they built this hyper coaster. Wow, Matthew, that was so fast with no cuts at all. Oh, man, don't even call me out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But we've been talking about Disney and attractions being like close and taking years to create. Obviously, there was a lot of early things where they were waiting on technology to catch up, but eight months to build this hyper coaster versus like years on these it is a huge like difference because I expected much longer. Yeah, I guess when you have lighter theming, once you have your roller coaster design and you have the parts, as long as you have the team to get it done, it's just about making sure to get the pieces together and then, of course, making sure that it's safe. Oh, safety. We love safety here at the queue for two. (laughs) All right. So the ride originally in 2006 cost $20 million and it was designed by a coaster powerhouse named Bolger and Mavillard. I probably butchered that, but we'll probably see this name pop up several times as we go throughout some of these seasons. Like I said, they are a coaster powerhouse. They're also known as just B&M and they have been in the coaster game since the late 80s. Some of their accomplishments that I do want to call out because they are so prevalent in the roller coaster field, they created the first inverted roller coaster, which was the Batman the Ride at Six Flags Great Adventure. That ride has been, Batman is a lot of different parks, but the first one was at Six Flags Great Adventure. And it invented both the floorless coaster and the dive coaster. They have coasters all over the world, but specifically at Six Flags Over Georgia, they designed Goliath, Batman, Georgia Scorcher, and Superman. And some of those we will get into later in the season. Now, as I said earlier, this coaster is located in the USA section of the park, which is pretty centralized in the park, and actually replaced two rides. The first was the Looping Starship, which was a swinging ship ride that actually completed a full 360 degree rotation. So it was one of those really good ship rides that goes all the way around compared to some of the more, not kiddie, but less exhilarating ones that just go back and forth. So I thought that was pretty neat. 
I kind of hate that I missed out on that because my first time going to Six Flags was in 2014. I've been on those types of swinging ship rides before. It's just been the little ones at carnivals. I've never been on one that's done a full 360. So I guess the search will continue. But that's neat. <laughs> I think I went on one at Six Flags that's in St. Louis. If I remember correctly, it's been many years since I've been to that one. I mean, I believe that one went all the way around and it was a good time. The other ride that Goliath replaced was known as the Great Gasp. (gasps) (laughs) Apparently, it was a 225-foot-tall parachute drop tower. You could see the ride from certain parts of the park, and so that's why it was sort of this landmark that you could always see this huge tower. I couldn't really figure out exactly how it worked, but it seemed as if, you know, you get picked up to this tall tall tower, a little drop tower, and then somehow there's a parachute. I couldn't tell. I don't think it's fully just parachute. But I guess it slows you down a little bit. I didn't go too deep into it, but it seemed like it was a weird concept. It doesn't really exist now. The reason they closed it, other than to replace with Goliath, was that they were starting to run out of parts. So the rumor was, I don't know if it ever got confirmed, is that they shut this ride down and they sent it to Six Flags over Texas, where they actually used it for spare parts to keep their version of the ride open for longer. So... I think we'll get into that a little bit more as the season goes on, especially with Six Flags, as things start getting moved and we've realized, you know, coasters get moved and parts get reused at a lot of the other Six Flags across the country. Absolutely. And I know sometimes when a ride shuts down, there's also initial plans to move it to another park that sometimes it just doesn't go through for budgetary reasons or who knows what other reasons. But I kind of like the nuts and bolts behind the scenes of that sort of thing. I think that's interesting. Oh, yeah. And I can imagine moving a roller coaster has a lot of money and like logistics behind it of even though you break it down into pieces, it wouldn't surprise me if you take some of these pieces out and you're like, oh, this was really bad shape. We should not have been running this ride for as long as we have. (laughs) Hopefully that's not happening too much, but uh, you never know. (laughs) Oh, so you already mentioned you never went on the looping starship and I don't think you went on the gasp either. I don't think I ever went to the park that early. And if I do, I definitely don't remember either of those rides from when I was at the park. Gotcha. Yeah, for me, my first experience with Six Flags over Georgia, Goliath was a staple of my first trip. So I don't know any of the before Goliath. I wasn't able to experience any of that. Now, back to Goliath. A few statistics for you the ones we haven't covered. The ride's track is 4,480 feet and lasts a whopping 3 minutes and 30 seconds. And the reason I bring that up, a lot of times rides like this, the queues are hour, hour and a half, two hours. But to me, that three and a half minutes, that's a huge time for a roller coaster. Some of these roller coasters nowadays are 90 seconds tops. And so... For me, that's one of the main reasons that I love this ride, and it makes like standing in the heat worth it because the ride is it's long and it feels long. It feels like you really get your money's worth out of it. I will say to add to that, though, I feel like that time is a little bit padded just because of how long you go up the lift hill. I feel like that's at least a good 45 seconds to a minute of the ride, which that's not to knock the ride at all. Taking the time to go up that much, it gives you that sweet first drop and carries that momentum through the ride. So I don't mean that necessarily as detracting from that, but just to mention (laughs) it, I think that kind of pads that runtime a little bit. That's a good point. And that actually brings me into my next point. There's two other things I mentioned the length that I love about this ride, and it's why it's my favorite. 
The first is the height at that drop. That huge first drop, the ability to see the Atlanta skyline and be able to look out over any section of the park is by far one of my favorite. I've ridden some really good rides that are very similar to this, such as Apollo's Chariot at Williamsburg, Bush Gardens. But the ability to see as much as you do from Goliath and see Atlanta on a clear day, man, that that brings that ride to another level. The view is absolutely incredible. And for our listeners that haven't seen it before, head on over to our YouTube channel. Before this podcast comes out, we're actually going to release a video of Matthew and I riding Goliath on one of our trips. And the thumbnail for that video is a shot at the top of that hill with the Atlanta skyline. And I think to this day, it might be, if not my favorite, one of my favorite video thumbnails, because that shot, that view is just incredible. Oh, yeah. The other thing is the outside section of the roller coaster where it goes out of the park. I absolutely love those kind of sections on roller coasters. And Goliath does it fantastic because not only is it fun when you're on the ride, that's like the first thing you see as you're driving. You drive under it to go to the parking lot. So you start off going there. You're underneath the coaster. If you get there a little later, the ride is already running and you get to see it. And then when you're on the coaster to be able to go outside the park and really get that outside experience again doesn't change anything, but it's just a cool like thing that I've always enjoyed about that ride. I agree. That's a neat aspect of it for sure. Now, the car setup. The car is arranged with four seats per row with nine total rows. On a perfect running day, can see up to 1,220 riders per hour. That does not feel like a lot for how long we've had to wait some of these times for this ride. But that is a lot of people if everything's running properly. The design of the coaster, there are no crazy flips or inversions like some of the other versions of Goliath we talked about. But the height, speed, and that helix section of the ride, that 450 degree helix we talked about in the description, for me, that make up for it all day. I don't need all the flips and stuff. I do love them. But all the rest of what it does have, that covers all of its bases. No, I agree. I'm a big inversion fan, but this ride has enough that it doesn't need it. And I would say I'm somebody that I don't think I'm a weenie when I ride roller coasters. (laughs) Like I'm down for a roller coaster and I generally don't have any problems on it. Goliath is one of the very few that, man, that drop, it makes my stomach turn in a way that no other coaster does. and. it's got enough going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get you out to um, Bush Gardens, Williamsburg. That's one of the ones that I've been going to lately, and it's got some really good coasters as well. But Goliath, for me, is always probably going to be up there as one of my top, not only from nostalgia, but it's just such a good coaster. Oh, yeah. And I, I definitely want to make it out to Bush Gardens at one point. That's a park I have not experienced yet. So we'll remember this moment fondly when we do season 32 of Q for Two. <laughs> <laughs> One other thing that I thought was interesting, and we didn't really notice this or mention this a lot with the Disney coasters because there was so much background, but there were some awards that were given through Amusement Today's Golden Ticket Awards for Goliath. The coaster was ranked the fourth best new attraction in 2006, and it actually has won or it's peaked at the fourth best steel coaster in the world in 2009 and 2011. The main reason that I wanted to point this out, other than, you know, we love when people celebrate rides that we love. The fourth best attraction in 2006, there is a attraction that was ranked second that we are familiar with, with our experience. So 
Do you know what that second place ride in 2006 would have been, Brian? Are we talking about like a Disney attraction? Maybe. 2006. You know we're not good with dates on this podcast, Matthew, (laughs) unless they're in notes right in front of our faces. I'm gonna guess one of the Thunder Mountains. Good guess. In 2006, second place for Amusement Today's Golden Ticket Awards for the second best new attraction, Expedition Everest. Ta-da! Oh, nice. (laughs) That is one of my favorites. Yep. So I thought that was a really cool thing just to add in of to see those in the same, you know, I love Goliath and to see it on the same list as Expedition Everest. I think it deserves it for 2006. I think it was a good time. So I wanted to make sure that we added that in as well. Now, I will say that's a great award, but the only golden ticket I recognize is from Mr. Willy Wonka. (laughs) Now, we mentioned that Goliath is in a section of the park called USA. And I want to say there are three things sort of in this section. Just to give everyone heads up that's listening, we're not going to be able to cover every single attraction, every single thing in the theme parks this season. So what we've decided to do is just for some of the episodes, add a couple different things in here. So for this, we're sort of going to talk about a couple of the things that are to do in the USA section. So the first, if you're not a fan of the huge coaster, there is one other coaster that's in the USA section. It is Daredevil Dive, which opened in 2011. This coaster is a smaller steel coaster that contains only a 95-foot tall lift hill. And you're thinking, 95 foot? That's a kiddie coaster. What it makes up for is the fact that the first drop is 95 degrees. That means 90 would be straight down. Not only do you go straight down, you go further back than straight down. And that little ride is amazing. I do love that ride. I agree. It's a very fun one. And It is funny. That's another thumbnail for a video that I love because before going over the top, there's a shot of me on my first time riding Daredevil Dive back in 2014, where you can see like straight down to the ground with the sign on top of the building and all the people in line below, which, by the way, while I'm talking about these thumbnails, I do feel the need to kind of insert this little point in. If you think you're going to get on these roller coasters and just hold your phone loose and take a video. Please don't do that. Yes. Please do not ride with any loose articles. Not only do you run the risk of losing them, you run the risk of them falling off the roller coaster and hitting somebody else. These videos that I've taken on these roller coasters before, I make sure to do it in a safe way. I have special camera mount equipment that attaches directly to my arm. So even if I lose grip on the camera, it's not going anywhere. It's uh has multiple fail safes so that camera is not being lost. So Just want to put that disclaimer out there. Don't do anything irresponsible riding any of these rides because it's not only your property and your safety, but the safety of those around you as well. So just a little, the more you know, two for two moment. (laughs) Yep, and I can confirm, Ryan is an Android. The camera slots right into his arm. It's not going anywhere. He's got a little Allen wrench that he tightens it and it's not going anywhere. I I unscrew my hand and then I (laughs) screw on the camera and, you know, it's just, One of those parts for my Android body. Obviously, you hold the other hand with your other hand. You know, it's classic Android stuff. Anyway. (laughs) Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. All right. So that's Daredevil Dive. It's a good coaster. It's not on my like always ride list when I go to Six Flags, but I always enjoyed it. I don't think it was usually one of Kendra's favorites. So a lot of times it was one of those riding some of the bigger ones. We would skip that when we were season pass holders. 
it's not a must ride, but that initial drop is fun. And overall, the ride feels very smooth every time I ride it. Oh, yeah. That's one of the things I'm always impressed is there's a lot of dips and bends, and it's overall a very smooth, comfortable, but still thrilling ride. Yep. The second part that I want to talk about is a little entertainment place for your kids. Right below Goliath, right before the entrance, there is a nice little game section. It's your classic amusement park game, your classic little fair games. They've got like the water gun games and tossing balls and basketball challenges and that sort of thing. So I do want to say if you're in the area and you're like, oh, I'm not going to ride Goliath, that's too big. That's always a fun time. Burn a little money. Enjoy yourself. If there's ever any deals that are going on where you can buy like little fun bucks or anything like that, you can buy and play games there. Uh, Usually, I believe they have like some fans and that kind of thing. So if it does get hot, even though they're outside, usually they're good places of shade, that sort of thing. It's a good time just to sit outside and get off your feet for a few minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. Great lineup of games for the kids. Totally not something that Matthew and I have engaged in as adults at any point in our lives, which of course I'm kidding. We have played (laughs) some of those games and have had a great time with them. Oh, it was a blast. One of my favorites that I think from my last time in the park, I don't believe they're actually running anymore, but they used to have the break the plate game where you would hurl the baseballs at the plates. I didn't see it the last time I was in the park, but I remember I got a really good video shot of you back in the day, just nailing a plate right in the middle and seeing the plate shattered. Oh man, we've got a lot of footage. If you can't tell, uh, Ryan and I of Six Flags, so we're excited to share that through the season. Uh, Ryan's got a lot of good stuff lined up for everybody. This podcast is just an excuse for me to use decades of footage (laughs) that I've been storing and have had nothing to do with. All right. The last place I want to talk about, it's not in USA, but it's right around the corner. So I have to talk about it. It was, and it hopefully still is. I hope it still holds up. My absolute favorite place to eat in the park. And it is a little down the hill towards the back of the park, right across from where like the train station is. And it is a little place called Macho Nacho. I know, Ryan, that we used to destroy a plate of nachos back in the day. Dude, nachos or the burrito, you couldn't go wrong. It was a good stop. And when we had that meal plan with our season passes for Six Flags, that was the go-to place. That was my favorite place to eat in the park. There was always a line. There was always a little bit of issue when it came to finding a good spot, especially in the shade. But you're right. Couldn't go wrong with nachos. Couldn't go wrong with a burrito. It was enough food that usually Kendra and I, my current wife, my wife now, she was my girlfriend and fiance <laughs> at the time. We used to you know, split food like that. So it was always a great time. It was a good amount of food, that sort of thing. And so I had to mention it. Since we're pretty close with Goliath, that macho nacho, if you're in the park, hopefully it still holds up. If not, message us and let me know so I cannot get my hopes up if we ever go back. Now, Matthew, I actually have a little anecdote about Macho Nacho that we have not talked about off podcast yet. I would be so excited. Please tell me. (laughs) (laughs) So we had our season passes back in 2017. And I don't know, do you remember getting an email a couple years back about a class action lawsuit settlement and payout? Uh, I get all kinds of crazy emails. So no, I don't remember that specific one. So I got an email that I received a $13 voucher to redeem in the park for anything I wanted. And by anything I wanted, I mean very restricted areas that (laughs) I could redeem this pass. And My fiance Amanda and I were in the park this past season in 2022, 
And in our last trip to the park during holidays in the park in November, we stopped by Macho Nacho and used that voucher to get us a good old hot chocolate. Oh, that's perfect. So I can personally also recommend the hot chocolate at Macho <laughs> Nacho. We're going to have to do an episode that's just ranked that hot chocolate. And I'll say when we bring that up when we do our holiday in the parks episode, because I got some hot chocolate from another park that I feel like we got to mention that is not as good. So I'll be curious. We can compare notes. I feel like at some point in the future, we're going to have to do at least one food based like park food based episode. If you all want to hear that, let us know and we'll we'll look at it. We'll see what we can come up with. All right. Well, that's enough about Macho Nacho. I'm going to move on uh, as we wrap up. For me, some tips that I've got on the ride. They used to, and I'm not sure if they still do, so correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan. They used to have TVs in the queue. These TVs would play cartoons, and this is all throughout the park, but a lot of the times they'd have the TVs at Goliath. I don't know if they still have them, but that was one of my things is enjoy the cartoons. They're there just because you're an adult or even if you're a kid listening. Enjoy the cartoons. They're a good time. It's usually classic Looney Tunes. I'm pretty sure I saw Wiley e. Coyote the last time I was waiting in that queue. So good little way to entertain yourself. Oh, gorgeous. The next tip I got, write it late in the evening. My preference is always to race to Superman and the back of the park when it opens, if I get there first thing. And so I actually save Goliath for later. A lot of people will go to Goliath first. And it's it's good if you can get there early, Get skip the line. But I prefer to do it late in the evening as the sun's setting, or even if it's dark and you get to see Atlanta lit up, you get to see the entire park lit up. Just like some of the rides we talked about at Disney, Goliath is a really good ride to save for the end of the day. I got to interject with that point. I agree with that. But also, if you're saving it for the end of the day, I put end of the day in quotations. I would not have that at the end of the day after your big dinner at Macho Nacho. (laughs) That is a good point. I'll give you that. I think I have seen more people throw up on and getting off Goliath than I have any other roller coaster. So might want to get your Macho Nacho after Goliath. Huh, that's interesting. I don't know if I've ever seen. I can't remember any off the top of my head. Uh, Normally, I feel like it's the, the swirly rides compared to the big ones, but that's interesting. So, yeah, I'd listen to that. I can remember at least three isolated instances going down the stairs at the end of Goliath and seeing vomit and having to avoid a suspicious puddle oh gosh all right i got three more tips that i'll do real quick if you get a fast pass i know it's extra money to spend on a day at the park this is definitely one to use i'd say put those hands up and come out of your seat this ride has some amazing zero g moments and so really enjoy yourself and let yourself come out of the seat and that's my favorite way to ride the ride And then the last one that I've got, there is a picture on here. And there are some really great pictures that we've got together, Ryan, and then just solo from our experiences here. So I'm hoping we can share a couple of those, find a couple of those and share on our Instagram page. So be on the lookout for that camera. And you've got some good chances for good photos from the park. Oh, yeah, for sure. So that's the tips I have. I do want to say with the fast pass, just quickly, there was one story that I wanted to say. If you do have a fast pass, Sometimes when I've done it in the past, nobody's at the top checking fast pass. So there was definitely a time where we rode it at the end of the night. We had a fast pass. We were able to get in line. We got to the top. We rode the ride and we immediately got back in the fast pass queue because no one scanned our pass. So we got to ride it twice. So, you know, I'm not saying cheat the system, but if no one's there, go for it. And (laughs) 
<laughs> that is my last tip that I've got involving the fast pass. Uh, Ryan, what do you have? I know you've got some stories and tips that you want to share with the people. Well, first off, Matthew, I believe you mean your flash pass. Oh, yes, you're correct. You got to use that uh, that DC. <laughs> I'm actually wearing my flash shirt. That's so funny. Yes, the flash pass. I apologize. <laughs> Look, man, they've got that property. They got to use it when they can. hundred percent. Got to use that intellectual property there. Honestly, as far as tips for the ride Goliath, I feel like you pretty much covered it. Just a couple of extra tips that I have about a few other things that we discussed in the podcast. For Daredevil Dive, I would like to mention, I feel like a lot of times people get confused when they see like a two, three hour wait for Daredevil Dive. And they think, wow, with a wait that long, it must be one of the most exciting rides in the park. While I think Daredevil Dive is great, this isn't the case. It's more of a capacity issue with loading Daredevil Dive. So just know that going into it, that one of the reasons that line tends to back up is because it has a a reduced capacity of getting guests through each hour. It's just something to consider there. The other thing that I'd like to mention is, you know, Matthew, you said Goliath is your favorite ride in the park. And I think Goliath is a big heavy hitter for a lot of individuals coming to the park, particularly a lot of celebrities coming to the park. And Matthew, I know the season that we went together, we actually were able to see a couple of (laughs) celebrities in the park while we were there. And I believe one of the main ones I'm thinking of, we saw when we were outside Daredevil Dive looking over towards Goliath. Yep, you have sparked a memory. I couldn't remember uh, all of who we've seen. But yes, we did, in fact, run into the Lil Yachty. Pause for applause. So yeah. It was one of those we were walking out of the park and I just kind of locked eyes and he was surrounded by a entourage of people. And I turned to Ryan and the rest of the friends group that was with us. And I said, please, God, was that Lil Yachty? And no one knew who I was talking about and no one saw it. Um, So I thought I was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And then we were on the way home. We were going through Instagram photos and I don't know if it's still going to be up on his Instagram page from back in 2017, but he was posting pictures of he and his crew on Goliath before it took off from the platform. And so we were able to confirm that he was there <laughs> and he was in the area of the park around the time that Matthew saw him. So and I wasn't just being a complete moron because I was I was so sure that is who I saw and no one could confirm or deny anything. No one saw anything. Which uh, fun little side note, um, this is going to date the podcast a bit, but Matthew, did you see that Little Yachty got in the news for another theme park related article recently? I did not. He was on a podcast recently in uh, June of 2023 talking about a date at Disney World that he spent over $100,000 on. Oh my gosh, I'll have to go look that up. That's insane. I can picture how you do it at Disney, but my goodness. Which, to be fair, that number includes the price of tickets and the price of the private jet that he used to fly he and the other individual to Disney World, but (laughs) still a lot to spend on a day going to Disney. But I just thought that was funny. I saw that on Twitter last night and knew we were recording today. So that bookmarked that in my mind. Disney magic. (laughs) But yeah, that's about all I've got. All right. Well, I think that is all I have as well. So, Ryan, I will let you get us out of here. And I'll just say I'm very excited to talk about Six Flags and I hope everyone in the audience is as well. 
Well, that cue went faster than expected. We hope you enjoyed the episode and learned something new about this wonderful ride. As always, we'd love to hear your experiences with this attraction or any fun facts you have. Feel free to join our Discord server and join the conversation or shout at us on Twitter or Instagram at q for 2 That's Q-U-E-U-E underscore F-O-R underscore T-W-O. Q for 2 You can also drop a comment on our YouTube channel. All the links can be found in the episode description below. Now, go catch that ride, and we'll see you in the next Q for 2 You're standing tall among the giants now. Bye.